Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Travis Thompson, waterfowl guide out of Florida. Um, big fan of Travis Thompson. And I wanted him on the podcast. We didn't have a specific topic that we wanted to talk about because I knew that he could handle himself in any sort of discussion when it came to hunting. So we just threw out some big topics on the table and just essentially gnashed on them. Um, I think you're going to love it. I loved it. And um, we're going to do it again. We certainly need to have Travis Thompson back because as I start the podcast, you'll hear me say the level of acumen that the, the gentleman has, I love. And I love those kinds of individuals and I love having conversations with those types of individuals. So enjoy it. So there's a reason why I started Blood Origins. And that reason is simple. Is that I wanted to convey the truth about hunting. It brings awareness to, to non-hunters that it's, it's more than just killing animals. How do I start it? Brittany. My name my is... Does <laughs> my hair look okay? It's my name is Mike Axelrod. Start again. Yeah, I hated it too. Braxton, you said something in the car to me. You said that you were living on borrowed time. Mm. There's a perception around who hunters are, what we're supposed to be, and a, a feminist that works for a non-profit that is a hunter that has only eaten wild game for the last 20 years is likely not the thing that people think about when it comes to a hunter. So I try to I try to pawn you off to next week, and you're like, ah, we're not gonna have any power next week, so let's just do it now. <laughs> when we when we have a hurricane, we'll lose power for anywhere from five to ten days. So it's really, like, yeah, it'll be, and, and we'll lose power probably sometime tomorrow night or early into the next morning. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, Travis Thompson. 
it's been way, way, way too long, man. I can't believe I haven't had you on yet. Um, because I'm looking forward to this. I'm looking forward to the depth of your acumen when it comes to all things hunting. Wow, that's a that's a high standard for you, my friend. I, I I'm a big fan of Blood Origins. Been following you for a while, and um, really big fan of the content you've been putting out. Like I, recently, like you recently, you had our mutual friend Tori Loomis on, which I know you recorded a while back. And well, what an sheer, episode! What yeah, an episode! If you don't get a little misty eyed watching that, like you need to get your blood pressure checked. Well, if you think if you if that was misty eyed, just wait until the next one we're dropping. So I, we're dropping one in October that's a gold star widow. Oh my gosh. And I'll give you a little bit of a preview because a lot of people will listen to this and you'll post it so and I need to make sure I drop it before we drop that episode then. Um She didn't know that her husband was a hunting mentor to someone at the funeral. The mentee stood up and wrote and read a poem that he wrote to him, the husband that died, about hunting and what hunting meant to him. Okay. <laughs> we took her on an antelope hunt. I'm getting goosebumps talking about this. We took her on an antelope hunt in West Texas, and we've been chasing antelope all morning. And she was in, she said she was in the buggy. And she was trying to recall what the poem said to her in her brain. And she could remember the first two lines, but she couldn't remember the third line. I don't know if you're a Christian man. I don't know if you believe in divine intervention. I'm I'm not going to make any assumptions. She says, I can't remember what the third line was. And she gets a text message from his best mate who knew she was on the hunt. With the third line of the poem. (laughs) And then she proceeds to smoke amazing antelope at 400 yards. Yeah. It is incredible. It's an incredible... And she reads the poem... In an interview setting, she's breaking down as she's reading the poem, and we, and we wrap all of the hunting footage around her reading the poem. Oh! Listen, Robbie, I don't even know if I want to watch that. Like, that's, how, that's how good that is. Like, that's... Jeez. Ooh. Yeah, I get chills all up and down my spine on that stuff. That's, just, well, that's the good stuff, right? Mm-hmm. That's the mm-hmm. good stuff. That is the good stuff. Travis Thompson, for those that don't know who you are, you want to give a quick introduction? Yeah, so uh, Travis Thompson. I'm a fifth generation Florida native. Um, I run, so I run Cast and Blast Florida, which is a it's a fun little quirky podcast we do down here. Uh, I'm the founder of All Florida, which is a conservation organization in Florida, and then I run the largest waterfowl hunting operation in the state of Florida. So, and you know, through that, I've kind of gotten, I'll say, on the land, the 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 map through my hunting advocacy and conservation. I mean, those, those two things you, you talk about mm-hmm. this all the time. It's hard mm-hmm. to differentiate those things. And it is for me as well. Mm-hmm. So um, I believe that if I'm going to take from this resource and if I'm going to make money and a living off this resource, I for damn sure better go advocate for these resources that we're going to impact, mm-hmm. you know, every time we go to the woods or the waters. So duck hunting seasons, how many days in Florida? So if you count early teal, we get a total of 69 days. So what do you do with the rest of the 290 days of the year, Travis? Uh, conservation advocacy. 
Okay. Awesome. Uh, advocacy work. And then I, I do, I do a little bit of fishing guiding. I used to mm. do a lot of fishing guiding. Um, and I still do a little bit, but nothing like what I used to do. So, so now behind you is a tarpon, right? Uh, yep. It's a tarpon. Jitaku. So Jitaku, right? Mm-hmm. So I was talking about a Jitaku on Saturday night. I was in Louisiana at a, an SCI chapter banquet that is in the heart of alligator country. And I told them, I said, the best trophy, and maybe we should, this will be the first hole we dive down. The best <laughs> trophy I've seen is someone did a jitaku of an alligator, a 10-foot alligator. Oh. It was beautiful. It was it just like the fish. It was 10 foot wrapped around a piece of wood. It was, I was like, ha, oh, if I do, if I ever shoot an alligator, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> now, have you, have you ever shot an alligator? Have you ever alligator mm -mm. hunted? Mm -mm. I actually got invited down to Florida twice this year. Um, and it actually once, it was actually going to be this Friday and last like four weeks ago. But this time of the year, I'm trying to sell a house right now and it's just, it's just crazy. And a new school for the kids, and we just moved. and just There is something raw and primal, and I'm sure you've talked about it somewhere along the way. There's something raw and primal about hunting something that could, could maim you, hurt you, take – like a, an animal that could take you as a prey. Mm -hmm. You know, in Florida, we don't have that opportunity besides alligator. We don't – we would never hunt panthers down here. Like mm -hmm. out west, you, you could hunt cougars and um, you, your grizzly bears and things like that. For us, it's, I mean, you're literally hunting a dinosaur, and that's a, that's a pretty unique. I've, got, I've actually got a pretty big skull up there on a shelf of, a, of an alligator my son took two seasons ago. Yeah, it's I was a, it's offered a totem to do, from the hunt. Yeah, I was offered to do a PhD in crocodiles in Okavango Delta when I was trying to find out, figure out what I was going to do. I, was, I knew I wanted to do swamps, and I don't know if you know this, but I've, I've got a PhD in wetland ecology. So essentially, swamps is my deal. I've been, I fell, fell in love when I was 16 years old with swamps. And I've just pretty much studied swamps my entire life. And uh, the thing that dissuaded me from doing a crocodile PhD, number one, I didn't know that Steve Owen was actually going to die and I could have been the next Steve Owen, you know. <laughs> um, but to your point, they did not see me. Crocodiles do not see humans as a threat. They see humans as food. <laughs> it's, it, it's fascinating to watch. Even the smallest alligator, you, you'll watch stalk you know right now we've got a lot of little gallinules or more hens running around mm -hmm. or, or and you can watch those little alligators learning to hunt from day one and mm -hmm. that, so you, a 10 12 foot alligator that is an animal that could kill and eat you mm -hmm. and, and, man that there's something primal about that there's something inside deep inside you and it's like i know i used to not want alligator hunt and it's not my favorite style of hunting but still when you go and you're out there and you're tethered to this animal it's like man Okay, I I get this a little bit. Like this is mm -hmm. this is a unique experience. Mm -hmm. Do you know a guy called Robert Conyers out of Florida? Uh, yeah, I do know that name. I I know that name. I don't know him, but I know that name. He's 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 just he's he's very articulate, very intelligent individual. He comments a lot of Facebook posts and has taught me a lot about ethics specifically. Um, calling me out for saying that you're you're not right, you're not saying ethics in the right context, uh, which is he was completely true. But he was the guy who invited me, and he says we're going to alligator hunt old school from the bank hook and line kind of scenario. You know? Yeah, very very. That's hardcore, man. That's that's a unique a unique uh, 
experience for sure. Mm-hmm. So, what is your opinion on trophies? Is 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 like right behind me? I've got a a warthog that is my grandfather's. It's not mine. You know, um, you, you did a a, 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 a a Instagram story, or I, I don't know where content comes from anymore these days. You see it on twenty seven platforms. I know. Right. I, I saw you do it somewhere, and you said you were kind of tired of the BS of saying you don't know trophy hunters because everyone's a trophy hunter because really you do. You walk. I forget. I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but I am a hunter, but I'm not a trophy hunter. Right. That's that's it. But you were talking about how if a if an eight point walks out, you want to take that that big deer or or whatever. And I think I, I don't know. I I struggle with the context. So I'm in Florida. Mm-hmm. Real quick hit facts on Florida: twenty one and a half million people, hundred eighty thousand hunters. So we are hanging on by a thread. Mm-hmm. Um, about 20, 25 years ago, we changed the way we fund hunting in Florida. So hunting no longer funds wildlife conservation at a major scale in our state anymore. Really? Yes. So, uh, hunt, hunting is responsible for about 2% of our state wildlife agency budget. The rest of it comes from, well, fishing licenses. So hunting and fishing combined. What about, about PR 2%. dollars though? Combined with PR dollars, you're talking 15% of our state wildlife budget. PR, Man. Dingle Johnson, hunting license, fishing license. 15%? 15%? Yep. Where's the other 85% coming from? Dock stamps and excise taxes. So we have, we have or, I'm sorry, excise taxes, gas taxes. So every house that is sold, there's a document stamp that goes on it that helps fund the, the Wildlife Commission. And every, ga- every gallon of gas that's sold statewide, there's a, I forget, 0.2% sales tax that goes to fund hunting and conservation or fishing. Wow. The wildlife agency. Now that sounds really good because we're sharing the load and spreading around. Sounds familiar to things like Rawa and things like that. Um, I struggle a little bit because I say all the time that we're the canary in the coal mine. Um, hunters really no longer have a seat at the table anymore in Florida. Like because okay, so they're reduced. Okay. So let's, let's debate that a little bit. That sounds like the best model. The not the, for hunters, but for the model of raising money for wildlife conservation, Travis. Sure, absolutely. Listen, if we could go get Tostitos to sponsor a national sponsor a national forest, why wouldn't we do that? Right? Why yeah. why wouldn't we want to privatize that and raise money from other places? But if you get into it, once you disconnect that user pays public benefit. Right, such as the Pittman Robertson, or right, the, which is the which is the whole argument against Andrew Clyde and the Restore yeah. Act. Once yes. you once you disconnect that funding mechanism, what what is the impetus for hunting to exist in the United States? Like I'm asking you, like what is it? What is the impetus for hunting to exist? Well, I think it's difficult to defend in in a societal. Um, in a social context, it's difficult to defend things like tradition. Heritage, rights—dare I say rights—or privileges. So I think those things are difficult to defend. However, if you did remove hunting out of the picture, and let's be honest for a second, since we're being very honest on this podcast, hunting only contributes around thirty percent nowadays to PR. Seventy percent comes from the shooting community. Um, I think what will kick in is biology. Okay. And so biology requires 
unless you've got vast, vast, vast tracts of land that you don't have to have a human fingerprint on, which is rare to come across nowadays, you're going to have some sort of human influence on the landscape, and so you're going to have to do some sort of human interference to rectify or balance Mother Nature out. And when it comes to management and balance, you only have a certain number of tools at your disposal. You can mix in some sort of grazing type system. So Florida, you may want to use cattle in an intensive rotational grazing type scenario to keep savannas, savannas, increase turkey biodiversity, uh, habitat biodiversity, good for turkeys, good for other things. Um, you can cull when populations get too out of control, too out of hand then hunting cannot actually dent the population itself, but rather you have to take it to the next level, which is culling, in which you need professionals or the state to come in and do. Before you get to that state, then you can do hunting, which is a, pop a population control measure. Or then you can explore others, sort of population mitigation strategies, which would be translocation, throw in the idea of contraception and all that jazz and nonsense that we know doesn't work, but People are going to try it. So to me, that's where the role of hunting lives. Yes, there's still going to be a culture and a tradition and a heritage tied to it. But unfortunately, social ecology is not going to... It depends on how it's couched, but more than likely a rural, uh, sorry, an urban environment is not going to... is not going to take that and say, yes, we believe in you. Sort of the same thing as BC grizzlies, right? So, so this is this is the struggle I have all the time, and you said it way better than I did. But hunting is a management tool. But you could you could outsource that management, and we do it effectively in Florida with alligators. We were just talking about them. So while you can apply for alligator tags, they're two hundred seventy five dollars. If you, everyone pays, if you get drawn, you get two tags. But they're CITES tags. They're they're federal tags. They're not state, but they're issued through the state yep. program. Yep. Um, but the other side is we have a nuisance trapper program that runs alligator hunts year round. Those guys, essentially every alligator that gets called in is a nuisance alligator. Like they go and they take, I would and those are essentially non-exportable alligators. Correct. Well, they're not covered under the Lacey Act. So yes, they can actually take them. They can capture them. If they capture them live, they can then resell them to a farm for them to be hunted or raised for leather, whatever. I think, there's certain rules with different sizes that they try okay. to look for and stuff. But where I was going with that is for me, hunting as an economic driver for the state is a, is a value as long as it's connected to Pittman Robertson. Mm -hmm. So you said a minute ago, 30% of PR dollars come through hunting and that's true, but we, we still claim the ancestry of it, right. For right. whatever the past 80 some odd years, right. The lion's share of that lift was through hunters now, that'll change in the next probably 20, 25 years to where that's been caught up. But the $15 billion that's been raised, I'm, I don't know the number, but let's say $10 billion of it was raised by $100. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a financial, a direct financial contribution that is married to hunting that keeps it as a viable reason to have on the landscape. If not, from a, from a management standpoint, it is easier to manage nuisance trappers or... Mm -hmm. Guys to go call bears or whatever else costs more money. You and I both mm -hmm. know that because if I want, let's talk bears for a second. Florida has more bears. 
Florida is the only state with more bear, more than a thousand bears and no bear season in the United States. And give everyone context. You did have a bear season. It we got, did. You hit the quota in like 40 hours. Yep. Very, very did, it, quickly. did you go over quota? Was there a controversy around it? Is that why you lost it? Or what, what was the deal? Oh, huge controversy around it. Um, and the controversy is all um, driven by mutualistic view of wildlife. Charismatic megafauna. We want... Why would you ever want to shoot a cute little furry bear? Mm-hmm. And so there were there were some photos, and I mean I'm sure you could take these photos in other places too. But there were photos of lactating mothers that were taken. But I think the numbers were, and I don't have them in front of me because I didn't prep for this. But it was I think the quota was 316, and we killed 325. Mm. And they cut it off immediately as soon as that quota was mm-hmm. hit. So I mean it's not like it went way over. Mm-hmm. I think you could make the argument, wow, they hit the quota that fast. Maybe they needed to have a bear hunt. Mm-hmm. But politically, that got to the level of the governor. And at the time, it was Rick Scott. Um, and it was shut down immediately. There was never another bear hunt. Every year it gets discussed. It gets kind of bandied around as this volleyball. So we've got 4,000 bears. Only state with more than 1,000 and no bear season. Bears are doing pretty well in Florida. But we can't even broach that conversation, really. And the reason have they produced it, any data on it? Have they put any data out there? Push data of like this is the population. Here's the hair snare study work. Absolutely. I, I, I want to say our wildlife agency is incredible when it comes to science and data. FWC mm. is is second to none on that. They're yeah, I love FWC. Top top notch. But they're not going to push the hunt. The hunt has become so politically charged from a just from a environmentalist standpoint that we're not going to see that. I don't think we'll see that hunt until a kid gets killed by a bear. Or unfortunately, mm-hmm. some tragedy is going to have to happen like that to push for that hunt to come through. Because none of our frankly, none of our political leadership is really pro-hunting anymore. I'm not going to say they're anti-hunting, but they're definitely not hunters. They're not sportsmen. They're not people I would consider you know, mm-hmm. on, on our team necessarily when it comes to mm-hmm. these topics. Or uh, uh, do we, do they publish nuisance bear kills on an annual basis? So I'm not sure about the nuisance bear program. I do know they have one. It's almost like a don't ask, don't tell. But I know. Gosh, it'd be that, fascinating to know how many die every year. Well, so I do know, well, I don't have that number. I don't want to, I don't want to quote it and be wrong, mm-hmm. but I forget the, the the leading killer of bears in Florida is roadways, by oh, for sure by far. Oh, for um, sure, and it's a pretty substantial. I want to say it was like fifteen to twenty percent of bears are killed on roadways in Florida. It is not at all uncommon to see them wandering around subdivisions, mm-hmm. like that's where they. I mean, they they kind of thrive there. So mm-hmm. it's just interesting to watch. There have been there's been a su- significant movement, I believe, even among our wildlife agency in in the in the direction of social science and mutualism. And so as we were talking through and you were talking, I said, you know, what's the reason for hunting? I believe once you start to introduce social science to this conversation, you could disincentivize hunting in other ways. And that's concerning to me. And so my tact, my tact personally, is I played sports all growing up. And I always say this, you never went into a game thinking you were going to lose. So Mm -hmm. I refuse to look at this as, Hunting's not going to be in Florida in 20 years, 50 years, 100 years. I look at it through the lens of what can we strategically do to regain ground to ensure that hunting is on the 
I know that honey will exist in some incantation on private land. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's in danger of going away. We have too many high fence operations. And, but I definitely think uh, when you look at the way the funding has been reduced, and then the other thing we don't have, Florida doesn't have a right to hunt or fish. So we, in our state constitution... You don't think DeSantis would be able to do a freaking right to hunt and fish at this stage? I, DeSantis, I've never heard mention the word hunting. I bet you he's a hunter. I, I've never heard him mention the word hunting. So I would, I would be more than open to that. We have, I know a number of hunters in the state have reached out to the administration and never really gotten anywhere with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it's, it's kind of frustrating. It, it's really frustrating because we feel like we're kind of forgotten down here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so we continue to work hard at it. But my, mm-hmm. my, my outlook is we're not going to lose. Let's just keep fighting. There's more hunters today than there will be three years from now. Mm-hmm. So we need to fight today to keep every inch of everything we have. Yeah, you know, you mentioned the social science. I think, I'm going to say this, I don't think, and you might have said this, so I apologize for pushing back on you, but that's the point of this podcast, essentially. I don't think, if someone says that we need to not consider social science today, it's it, you're done. Like, you have to consider social science. It's almost like a given. And the way that I couch it is this, is that social science really is a perception science. Social science is, what are people perceiving a certain thing to be? And the reason why we're losing the social science battle is because of the fucking 20 years of nonsense that we've been doing up until now. Excuse my language. No, we we have... And it happened freaking today. Of, you know... We'll get into this here shortly, but um, we have yeah. failed miserably ahead of the social science movement. Oh. But I will caution that I think I think social science in and of itself is a great thing, mm-hmm. and I, I think we should be welcoming to it and leading that charge. I think we should be trying to play in that space. I think we need to. Be well, that's cautious. the space we play in. That's the space that Blood Origins plays in every single day. I think we need to be cautious about the misapplication of social science. And what I mean by that is totally agree how it is applied to wildlife management decisions. So today go to bears for a second today. When we talk about bears, if you asked a random person in downtown Orlando, how do you feel about killing a mama bear? The answer is clearly going to be, that's a terrible, why would you ever want to do that? Mm-hmm. Social science could be applied to determine what the gaps are from the public and their and their disconnect from understanding this resource and how it should be managed, and then used to hopefully close that gap to swing it so that we can now have this resource in a managed state that is benefiting the hunter, but also the state, the agency, and even that citizen, so that bears are managed in a way that they're able to enjoy that resource as well. Yep. Yep. Sorry, social science is a hot topic for me right now. No, look, it's a, it, it, it's a hot topic for me too because, again, this podcast will probably drop in, i say two or three weeks. We have to do it before the episode drops for Margie. Um, but I pretty much... Um, you've obviously seen it today and we can, we can transition into this, which is definitely social science is the whole freaking wolf-dog debacle. I, I haven't seen the wolf-dog debacle. Are you fucking kidding me? No, I'm sorry. I I'm swearing because I've had such a long freaking day. No, I haven't. I've been doing hurricane prep all day. Tell me about this. <sighs> I'll give Wait, you the short and narrow. Shot, somebody shot a husky? Shot a husky. Thought it was a wolf pup. 
She skinned it nose to tail and put it on a tailgate. I'm sorry, okay. I'm laughing. I'm laughing. No, the saving the grace is the, the saving right? grace is this is exactly what you're doing. The saving grace is people are going to go. This woman is the dumbest. Is dumb. Okay. Uh, I'm not going to belittle her. I'm just saying it's not a dentist killing a lion that's going to go viral. However, it has gone viral, right? If you just just type in husky into Google right now, and oh every single news article is her from around the world. She's on Drudge Report. She's on TMZ. It's it's everywhere. Okay. Um, but social science, and here's what I said today, and I want to get your thoughts on this because this this is almost like our mantra. Hunting and hunters, sorry, let me back up. The thing that is going to save hunting and hunters is thinking. Uh, the end. Can we just call it a day right there and like tattoo that on a pillow or something for people to throw in their living room? Like this, like this thing today. Think about your action. Did you verify what you were shooting? No. Fail, think fail number one. Okay, once you went up to the animal, did you recognize that something was amiss and maybe I should just leave it alone and disappear? Which probably a lot of people would have done. But you didn't. No, think did fail number two. Takes it and skins it? She first takes photographs with it, which is now fail number three because the person taking the photographs doesn't say... That looks like a dog. Doesn't say anything. Photos, photos, photos. Then skins it. Then posts it. Fail number... I think we're up to five or six at this yeah. stage. Then once she gets called out, changes her story <laughs> to that it attacked her. And it was self-defense. Which at that point, if you wanted to save Grace... And here's another thing that I think will save hunting. There's... If at that point you realize, oh, I messed up, be honest. Honesty actually is such a really good sort of sort of junction point, right? It's like an almost an intersection to the non-hunting community. And the non-hunting community goes, you see, this guy didn't go to Africa because of conservation. Yeah, you're right. He didn't go for conservation purposes. Be honest. I, I call it authenticity. It's the same thing. Mm -hmm. And I, I talk about this a lot. Like any inroads we're going to make with the non-hunting community or, and I say inroads, and you've talked about this ad nauseum in other pieces in every way, shape or form, but, but whether it is, people becoming hunters, people becoming okay with hunting, people just having a familiarity and a comfort level with hunting. Um, the inroads are going to come from who hunters are. Mm -hmm. The stories you tell are so compelling. We were talking about Tori Loomis a minute ago. Mm -hmm. I don't care if you're a vegan PETA member. If you watched Tori through clean eyes, through pure pure eyes, authentically, you see a person that cares and believe in, believes in what she's talking about. Right. There's no doubting the authenticity there. And I think for hunting to exist, obviously there's a lot of things in, in what we're talking about here, but I think a huge part of it is exactly that. It's authenticity. You know what? I screwed up. Mm -hmm. I, I, I messed this up. 
And I, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Like, let me walk it back. I, sh- I shouldn't have done it the way I done it. Like, this was a mistake. Hundred percent. Okay. Who, who among us has not made a mistake at some point? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. I just think authenticity is a thing. And I don't know. You didn't plan to go down this road. I don't know if sometimes the industry isn't guilty of fostering that inauthenticity. Like, like if you did make mistakes, well, you're not at my level. Like, you can't play at my level. So I, I, I don't know. Maybe that's not fair. That's a hot. Take. Well, is the is is has the industry created a bar that if you don't reach, and you did something below it and made a mistake, you almost off. I don't know if it's co- it's not coercion, but it's almost peer pressure to say, well, I'm going to push that aside and go and, and do something that I probably shouldn't be doing Yeah. to get to that next level. And then that's where people get found out in that, oh, you, you actually shot a nine point yesterday. You only had one buck tag and now we've got footage of you shooting a 12 point. Yep. Listen, I think there's even something to, again, you didn't. You and I didn't pregame any of this. We're just kind of rolling with it, right? Like, so I think there's something to the stages of the hunter. You're way familiar with those. University Mm -hmm. of Wisconsin back in the day, the the shooter, the limit seeker, the trophy taker, the method guy, the sportsman. Mm -hmm. I was thinking about this the other day. I was flipping through a magazine, and I won't say the one because it's a good magazine and I enjoy it. I was flipping through a magazine, and every ad celebrates phases one through four none really promote the sportsman the, the, why the, is that travis because that sells that's clicks it's it's frankly to say it differently it's girls in a bikini like that's mm-hmm. that's eye candy that gets you to to that's I, business I think yeah it's, it's business right and here's the way a lot of people like they're like well the industry shouldn't be doing that industry's a business right and, and for hunting the industry's business is killing you're exactly right. Okay, there's nothing wrong with that. It's that's what it is, and so and it has to cater to hunters, and that's why Blood Origins content isn't sexy to hunters because I'm not building it for hunters. Okay, so when people go, Robert, your engagement sucks ass. It's like, yeah, it sucks ass because I just put an episode about a girl who likes wild game meat. Those guys that are hardcore duck hunters are like, oh, that's not what I'm interested in. I'm whitetail hunters, oh, that's not what I'm interested in. Oh, the guys that are foodies, oh, yeah, I'm interested in that. And so out of 180 degrees, I just tapped into 20 degrees of that 180. And, I don't, and I'm okay with that. I'm not interested in tapping into 180. This is Simon Sinek. Have you, are you familiar with Simon Sinek, the thought leader? He, he, he's an author. He's a speaker. He's, you know, he's, in the, he's in kind of the business leadership space. Okay. He talks about the idea of if you own a small business, you may say, I have this vision and I want to go to Boston. Okay. And where your eyes and your focus are, are on that goal. Mm-hmm. And all these bigger companies may come in and say, hey, we can help you get to whatever your goal is. How many miles do you drive today? What's your gas mileage? And they start looking at these statistics and these engagement type numbers. Mm-hmm. And you are looking at the vision of where you want mm-hmm. to go. Like, mm-hmm. screw how many miles. I know that I'm going towards that goal because that's what I can see. That's mm-hmm. Anyway, didn't mean to get off on that that tangent a little bit there, but it's it's I think it is a little bit important when you talk about it within the context of the outdoor industry. Because the outdoor industry is a business and it's focused on selling as much product as we can sell. 
And I often argue we should be creating conservationists. Like that should be oh, our yeah. Like that that should be our outcome is we we ran this big university hunt with Delta Waterfowl over the weekend. These kids killed like six ducks and a couple of doves. Twenty students. So you're talking less than a duck per three kids. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Every one of them is eat up with it and can't wait to go back. And why? Be- because everything around the context the contextualization of what we did was about the wildlife, about about watching the sun, about watching the birds. Now, we we split those ducks six ways and everybody ate some piece of them and tasted mm-hmm. the food. But everyone's going to have a different entry into the outdoors. Like we're not all just a, a recipe. There's no there's no recipe that says, "Hey, if you do these seven steps, you can get to this point." Mm-hmm. We all kind of come at it in different ways. You might be a reader and I might be a a video watcher. The way you get there is going to be different than how I get there. So I don't know. I I just think there's something interesting to that. Travis, what do you think we need to do in the next five years? To me, I always think like the next five to ten years. If I posted a graph on my insta on my Instagram that I knew was going to get terrible engagement because it's a graph and nobody's going to actually pay attention to it. Um, but I what it showed. This. Come on, keep talking. I screen grabbed it. Good. Because what it showed was how small a time we've actually been in the space that has really detrimentally changed hunting and hunt and and sort of and hunters, which is cell phones only came on the scene in 2005. Sorry, the cell phone camera was in 2005 and like 2008 cell phones came prevalent or the smartphone. It was in that area. So it's only been like since 2008 that we've seen this rampant increase in social media, Facebook, and the graph had all of these lines just jacking up from 2008 to today. Okay. And I was like, shit, that's only been 12 years, 14 years. Okay. Look how much has changed in that small time frame. Who's, who's to say what happens in the next 10 years? All right. So to me, the next 10 years are like critical. The next 10 years are like, I need to figure out a way to get my content from a blood origins perspective. And, and I'm just selfishly thinking content wise for non hunters. How do I develop the best content I possibly can? And get it out there as far and wide as I can tomorrow because I know it'll live for the next 10 years because the next 10 years it's just going to just you're talking about we talk about it in land conservation a lot down here that you the future is going to be written in the next 5 to 10 years the future for the stuff that, like, so for land conservation, the future of Florida is going to be written in the next five to 10 years because we're going to lock up all the land, either in easements, public lands, or it's going to be developable. Like, it's going to get locked down. It's kind of the same thing in this space, right? Like, we're all kind of, com- I won't say competing, that's not the right word, but you're all trying, we're all trying to build out a representation of our brands, of what, what we care about, what we believe in, be it a nonprofit, be it, Mm-hmm. A for-profit or whatever, we're kind of competing for eyeballs, and in, there's like limitless space on the digital. You can see that in your graph because mm-hmm. it, it starts trending up, and it's got like it's got apps out there like WhatsApp and MySpace. Like you can see the trends up in all of those things. Like you said, about 15, 20 years ago. How are we going to compete in those next ten years? I don't know, but I know that what we have been doing is not working. And I think that's a thing that I, I challenge a lot is sometimes it's okay to try some different stuff because 
this may, but please feel free to disagree with me. I know, I know you would. <laughs> oh, please, I would. <laughs> please feel free. I say this a lot for for us specifically in Florida. I think the boat of hunting is going down. It's mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we have a choice. We can either start sticking our fingers in those holes. We can build a new boat. But mm-hmm. if hunting is going to exist, those are kind of our two choices. And I'm mm-hmm. a little bit of. Let's start swinging some stuff around and see what we can make work and see if we can try something different. And that may put me, Travis, in some uncomfortable situations. It may put me in a, in a position where I'm in a room full of talking among friends here, and I don't mean this as reductive as it's going to sound, but it puts me in a room full of tree huggers, like guys that would not be caught on, on the other end of a shotgun. But over time, I've actually b- built relationships with those people, and a number of them have spent mornings in duck blinds with me. That's disruptive a little bit because mm-hmm. now those people know that they like me. They know that they respect the way we go about what we're doing and why we care about this wildlife. And it's starting to slowly turn on this landscape that's really hard to get some traction on down here. So go ahead, rebut. No, it's interesting you say that. So I've just started reading a book which is freaking fascinating. It's called Breaking the Social Media Prism, How to Make Our Platforms Less Polarizing. Okay, it's by a professor out of Harvard, I believe. His name is Chris Bale. And what this guy did was, essentially what he said, I'll, I'll couch it in two terms. Number one, he says, if we're willing to think outside the box, we're less likely to talk about that inside our community like we're not willing to say the things that may be controversial to hunting to hunters but if you step outside the box like you just said and you're actually engaging non-hunters and tree huggers you're actually more willing to to be more honest it's like i was like whoa that's crazy so you're saying that triggers a couple of thoughts in my mind. One is the two biggest we, – we, you and I are both on Facebook. Mm-hmm. The, the two biggest hunting Facebook groups in Florida I'm not a member of because, frankly, there's not much value in my membership there. My mm-hmm. value is in, is in outside of that. That's one thing. The other thing that's kind of unique in this is if I went back – if I went back and, and you and I, we froze who we are right now. We went back 25 years ago, okay? We're, we're Robbie and Travis, 40-ish years old, and we go back to 2000, and we're 40 years old, and we know all the stuff about hunting, fishing, everything else we know now. And I said, I'm about to give you guys a tool, and it's going to allow you to connect with people you went to elementary school with, and it's going to allow you to all be interconnected so that all the time, any time of the day, you could interact and send messages and, and, and actually see people with videos and everything else. We would say, oh, my God, this is the greatest tool known to man. This mm-hmm. is going to revolutionize, revolutionize mm-hmm. hunting, conservation, fishing, the, the outdoors world in a major good way. Mm-hmm. And then when you look at that chart, I think everyone across the board would say, dude, it's not going well. Mm-hmm. And I think that is on us for misusing the tools that are out there. Like social mm-hmm. media, social media in general, set hunting aside. Social media in general is a shit show. Oh, yeah. Why is it a shit show? Because we allow it to be. We, we social media should not control you. You should control it. Why can't we be kind on there? Why can't we have gen- genuine interactions on there? Why can't we be truthful on there? And it's exactly what, what the book is talking about, what your, your author was talking about there, Chris Bale. 
it's freeing when you kind of have some of those pressures removed of what you're worried about. I'm not saying I'm a loose cannon, but I am saying I kind of say what I think in a Mm -hmm. respectful, kind, Mm -hmm. genuine way that carries some level of weight with some level Mm -hmm. of audience that is not getting reached today in the, hey, how old do you think this deer is crowd? And Mm -hmm. again, I'm saying that kind of stereotypically. I'm not meaning it to be reductive because I've been that guy and I'm still that guy. How old do you Mm -hmm. think this deer is? Mm -hmm. But um, anyway, I don't know. I like like this. I love that kind of discussion. I think think if we're going to find a way forward to go way back to your first question or an earlier question, we've got to figure out how to use these tools in more effective manners. Mm-hmm. And we've got to figure out how to be strategic about how we're using those tools. And the other thing I think is we've got to be strategic about building teams. Mm-hmm. Like, I think there's a lot of individualism out there, in, especially in, in our world. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think that's unhealthy. I, I think it's, it makes us competitive and I'm a competitive person, played sports all growing up. Like I want to win. I want to be the best duck hunter. I want to beat mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. When I sit back and think about that, why do I want to beat you? Mm-hmm. What I really want to do is outcompete nature this mm-hmm. morning, or outcompete. I don't know. I think that's a uh, that's a thing that I think the industry as a whole, myself included, I think I think we as humans struggle with that. And really, we should be on the same team about a lot more stuff than we are. Mm-hmm. No, I totally agree with you. You know, I think unfortunately, when you get into sort of the nonprofit world, money matters. And so when you're chasing money and, and everyone's chasing money, there's some rivalry and divisiveness that comes with that. Um, but I agree. I think we there's always room for bigger teams, more cohesiveness, more pulling the boat in the same direction. Um, you know, and then trying to figure out what you do with the people that shoot holes in the boat. Um <laughs> So I don't know. <laughs> I'm, look, I'm look, I'm 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 in it for I'm in it to win it, just like you. I I wouldn't be doing Blood Origins if I didn't think we were making a difference. You know, and you talk about thinking outside the box. I'll tell you one thing we do that's outside the box, which is com- completely counterintuitive to any marketing strategy. Period. Is that we put money into Facebook not to sell a product, but we put money into Facebook for a to change perceptions around hunting people are like what i said well that's my mission my mission is to plant seeds of doubt or seeds of thought or seeds of wow i never knew into people that are never exposed to hunting so i pay facebook to put my content in front of non-hunters and anti-hunters with no return at the end of the day except the potential that something got planted in their brain by seeing my content, our content. I wouldn't say my content, our content, the hunting community's content through Blood Origins. As a guy, I'm going to speak in your, in your, on your behalf a little bit here. Forgive me if I misrepresent, but it's almost like it's almost like paying for your ad to only be seen by your opposition. Hundred percent. That's what you're doing. Yeah, And if you're not familiar with Facebook ads or advertising in general, terribly inefficient spend. But if you're going to swim in a different pond, if you're going to be disruptive, those are the kind of swings we need to be taking. Ter- terribly inefficient spend for if you, were, if you were selling something. 
right? There's no ROI here. The only ROI here is hopefully in the ballot box or or, in a, or something comes up, I've got now someone who would never be an advocate for hunting to say, oh, no, no, I saw this post the other day that that's what you just said is not true. It, which is what makes it I, I, maybe the thanklessly important. Like it, it's a thing where, where you have to continue to work at that constantly. You don't, you do find the stories, right? I mean, mm -hmm. I, I, you see the stories and, and you see with you particularly, you see them because you visually produce so many of them. But it's so important in the ones that you don't even see. Like you said, mm -hmm. like, like if you can plant a seed of doubt or you can, you can get someone just to look at this conversation a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. If anyone's listening to this in our part of the world, the type of thing you're working on is the type of thing that is going to allow us to hunt bears again in Florida. And mm -hmm. I keep saying this, I'm not really interested in hunting bears. I'm a duck guy. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I see the value in this as a management tool for a resource. And this is how mm -hmm. hunting should work. And this is how game management should work. The only way we're going to turn that tide is not bitching and moaning about it in the Florida hunting group. Mm -hmm. It's going to be, we have to turn some of these people across the aisle and we have to apply social science. We have to we have to use this to inform and create people that are okay with what we want to do. It sounds 100%. simple, but it's not that simple. Hundred percent. If it was it's that not. simple, we would do it tomorrow, right? We just fundraise and fix it. Every day we would, yeah. <laughs> well, Travis Thompson, uh, this will not be the last time we have a conversation. I no, want to put actually next time like something controversial comes up, I'm going to send it to you saying we're podcasting about this tonight. Let's get do ready. It. Let's do it. And honestly, I would have been more up on the uh, the husky thing if not for hurricane prep today. So I <laughs> no, it's good that you aren't because you would have been. You would have. It, it doesn't. It would have consumed my day, kind of like back when we uh, went through the Pittman Robertson thing and the and the and the Return Act and the you mm -hmm. know it, it was like every day you got up and like what kind of clown show are we going to have today? Mm -hmm. So. Um, That's no, it. It was I, called the Return Act. It wasn't called the Restore Act. I called it the, the, Restore the Return Act. Act. Yeah, yeah, Andrew Clyde. Um, anyway, I, I I love this kind of stuff. I appreciate so much, though, what you try to do. I hope I hope I, I love I love being able to. I love smart people that you don't always agree with because that's mm -hmm. how you that's how you get to a better place. Hundred percent. Even if you just dig in further where you are, it helps you sharpen your arguments on in, in, in those conversations. So, anyway, I appreciate you having me on immensely. You're welcome. We'll do it again, my man. All right. Thank Good you luck so much, Robbie. Tomorrow, okay? All right. Take care. Well, that's it for today. I appreciate you listening, as always. Leave a review, share it with your friends, and most importantly, do what's right to convey the truth around hunting.